Come on. Wow. I don't even have to preach. Good night, everyone. That was like that was like every sermon that we all need to hear. Tanae, I told you, your testimony was powerful. Man, and powerful of what God's doing here. What's God doing in, in Tanae's life, but also in the lives of the family and the community that's here. Oh, my wife's back. Uh, I'm very happy she was in the States for a couple of, as you heard, a couple of weeks. Uh, right when she came back, I got sick. I work at a hagwon where kids don't know how to cover their mouths when they cough and sneeze. And so uh, I think everybody in my hagwon's sick right now. Roy's sick. Kelly's sick. She's at home. Uh, pray for me because this morning um, I was coughing a lot. But, uh, and yesterday, you know, I was getting ready to write my sermon. I've been writing it for this past week. And I was like, man, God, I'm sick. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then as uh, I had meetings yesterday, and I was, I was getting ready to pre- I get, get ready, like, God, I need your grace. And you know what? When it's God's will, he is there with his grace. Amen? Amen. And, and I, I, he was just, he was, he was there. Throughout the night, I was, I was writing. You know, I finished early. I actually got some sleep. I woke up, and uh, I took some medications. So I feel great. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to continue on with my sermon series from the book of Acts. Right now, I'm in the, the eighth chapter. So for the first seven chapters, um, there's a theme that's been building up. And right now, uh, the cha- starting with chapter eight, there's a new section of the book that we're going to actually be going into. So if you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter eight, I'm going to read uh, from verses one through eight. Okay. Acts chapter eight, verse one. And Saul approved of his execution. <laughs> I'm talking about Stephen. I, I shouldn't laugh. I'm talking about Stephen. Stephen, he had just gotten murdered. He was the first. He became the first martyr. Was uh, persecuted and murdered. Was stoned to death by the Pharisees. Uh, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowd with one accord paid attention to what, he was, what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had, who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Mm-hmm. Today I'm going to talk uh, mostly about th- these verses, but also going into the later ha- part of, of chapter 8. Um, I'm not going to read it off because it's a lot of reading, but I, uh, you know, I'm going to refer to a little bit more of the verses later on in, in this chapter. Like I said, up till now, we see in the first seven chapters of the book of Acts a theme that's building. And that theme is the incredible increase that's been coming over the, the church. Mm-hmm. It was the establishment of the church, and now it's the church increasing at, at this exponential, almost supernatural rate. Right. Okay? If we compare it to the rate that it was now, first there was 12, mm-hmm. and then there was like 3,000. <laughs> right? That means like, like eight, there'd be like 18 billion like, like Christians, if, if all the Christians that are here now increase at that rate, everybody on this earth would be Christians. You know what I mean? It was an exponential, supernatural rate. Thousands were being added to these numbers every day. 
And as the church was growing, they were, they were fulfilling part of Jesus' mandate. What did Jesus tell them to do? At the, right before he went up into heaven, he, before he floated up, ah, what did he do? He said, he said stay, wait. Okay, he said, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then go and be my witnesses. What is it? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what happens? The Holy Spirit does come with power at Pentecost. Bam! All of a sudden, people are doing miracles left and right. You know, people are being added to the numbers by the thousands. Amazing increase is happening in this church. They have now become a church. This is the, the beginnings of the church of Jesus Christ upon this world. In my last sermon, I, was talk, I talked about Stephen. Okay? The church had gotten so big that these internal administrative problems started to arise. The Hellenistic widows were not being taken care of, um, of uh, in the daily allotment of the food. And so they raised up these deacons. Okay? In Greek, it's called diakonos, okay? servants. It literally means servants okay? to serve the body. They were the first lay leaders. And if we look at this, this is the beginning of infrastructure coming into the church. Stephen is considered the first, one of the first deacons. Okay? The task was to what? Serve food to the widows. Okay? But they choose the men filled with spirit and wisdom, men of good repute. And these men were called to serve. And like Stephen and the deacons and the apostles, and like Jesus himself, we are all called to serve. Jesus says he has not come to be served, but to serve. And he says, we are not greater. A servant is not greater than his master. We are also here to serve. I talked about in my last sermon that our identity is that of a son. But in our heart, we need to have a heart of servanthood because that's what Jesus was. Jesus' identity to the, was always to the father. He was a son, but what he came to do was to serve. He was talking about, he wasn't talking about the consumer Christianity that we, we see today. Where people come to church, they take, they take, and take, they receive, they receive, receive, and, they just, and then they just go home. But as we received, we have to take our place to give and to serve in the way that God calls us to. And that's what Stephen did. He served those widows, and he wasn't too good for it. He wasn't above it, but he served faithfully. He was faithful with the small things. But from there, we see he's entrusted with more. Because right after we hear about him becoming this deacon, what is he doing? He's performing miracles and signs and wonders. So much so that it, it angers some people. And they get all up in his face. Robber, robber, robber. <laughs> like, Why are you doing this? Don't do this. And, and then Stephen's like, man. And he gives him this long speech. It's like a chapter long. <laughs> and he gives him the history of, of Israel. And at the end, he's like, man, he shows them that they're corrupt, that they're corrupt, that they're wicked, that they've been wicked, that they've, they've missed what, what, what God was intended for all this time. They've already rejected it. And he, and he just, he lays it down. He lays a smack down. He's like, man, you guys are messed up. And they're like, we're not going to have this. We're going to throw rocks at you until you die. And they do. They all stone him. And he becomes the first martyr. The word martyr means, in Greek, means martus. It actually means to bear witness, one that bears witness. And I talked about in my last sermon that, yes, we are called to be deacons. We, we may not be called to be deacons. You know, not all of us is going to be raised up as a deacon. 
But we are all called to serve. And not all of us is going to be called to be a martyr. You know, we're not all going to be called to die for Jesus, for Jesus Christ. But we are all called to bear witness to his, to his name. The life we live, as we live serving the people that God leads us to, that life should bear witness to Jesus Christ. And so we see this example, this picture of Stephen. He was a lay leader. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't one of the 12 chosen. He's a lay leader, like, like the leaders that we have in this house. And I like to look at Stephen and along with Philip, the other deacon that's mentioned. Okay, we're going to hear more about him. We heard a, read a little bit, bit about him in our reading today. But I like to consider them as an example of the type of fruit that was coming out of the church in Jerusalem. If you look at Stephen and you look at Philip, man, these are, these, these are the, you can see them as a fruit. The, the leadership that's coming out of the, of the church in Jerusalem. And these are righteous men. These are good men. And when we look at the church in Jerusalem, they were doing the right thing. They were preaching the gospel. People were beginning, they were getting ministered to. People were being saved. Revival was breaking out. They were raising up strong and powerful leaders. There was joy. There was love. There was fellowship. They were selling their possession and helping the poor. It was some good stuff. And I like to talk about it in my past sermons, how it was like a honeymoon stage. It's like a church after a retreat. Or it's like what I like to call PMS, which stands for post-mission syndrome. And after a mission team from New Philly comes back from missions, everything is amazing. And Pastor Melgoa, she suffers from this a lot. After she comes back from a mission trip, she's like, these are the, the, the greatest people that I will ever meet in my life. They're my team. And you get into this euphoric state where you just want to be with the people that you went on missions with. And you just want to be next to them, be near, spend time with them, hang out with them. Oh, what are you doing today? Oh, what are you doing tomorrow? This is this, this euphoric feeling. You know, they, they were together in, on this. They were gathered as one in this one mission. And this is kind of what was happening in this church. It was a, it was a group of men and women in the thousands that were just all crammed together in the city of Jerusalem. And they were, they were happy. They were filled with the Spirit. And they were doing church. And they were doing it very well. It was, this, it was, it was a community that was growing. Although the church was growing and operating in the way that the Spirit and Jesus had called them to do, they were missing one thing. They were missing one thing. In Acts 1, Jesus' mandate for his disciples was to, one, stay and wait for the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, but then what did he tell them to do? He said to go. Go, go be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. They stayed. They got that part right. They received. They got that part right, too. They were witnesses in Jerusalem. They were really good at that. They got all, the, they got all that right. But when it came down to going, it wasn't happening. Their numbers had grown to thousands. It wasn't, it's not a stretch to say they were in the tens of thousands. And all throughout the seven chapters of Acts, we hear about extraordinary increase in numbers. But we don't hear one instance of them sending somebody. We don't see one instant or a verse about one person going out. He didn't say wait and keep waiting and keep waiting. But he said wait 
receive than go. And I don't think they weren't going out of fear. Because, you know, when we read in the, in the first seven chapters, they get persecuted and they stand up for themselves. Like, man, man, we, 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 you know, you know, we can't, we got to obey God. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And you, you guys might beat us up and you, and you guys did beat us up, but we're going to keep preaching the word of God. We're going to keep, keep, keep preaching Jesus crucified, crucified. He's our savior. He's our Lord. You can't, you can't stop us. And they're like, ah, rubber, 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 rubber. But they stood up for them. You know, it wasn't out of fear. And it wasn't going, they didn't, not, they didn't go out because they didn't know what to do. Because obviously, when you see what was happening in Jerusalem, they knew what to do. They knew how to preach. They knew how to teach. They knew how to raise up leaders. Okay? They had the numbers to prove that. And I believe what kept them from fulfilling the second part of Jesus' mandate, going out into Samaria and to the ends of the earth, was our human tendency to be comfortable with where we are. And what we know. They were in their comfort zone. And although it might feel nice to be in our comfort zone, it's not always good to stay in our comfort zone. The church had grown. It was established. It was increasing. It was great fruit. And they were good at it. They were good at doing church. And although it it may have been, you know, they may have been great at doing church in Jerusalem, it's not what God and Jesus had called them to do. Jesus is like, yes, be my disciples in Jerusalem. Be my witness in Jerusalem. But that's not all. There's more. And so what happens? God allows the persecution that comes at the hand of Saul, who is right now filled with anger and the devil, and he scatters the church. He scatters his people. And where does he scatter them to? It says, to Judea and Samaria. (laughs) Sound familiar? And that same Saul that persecuted the church and scattered them will soon become Paul. And he will eventually write Romans 8.23, which says, And we know that in all things God works to the good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And out of this persecution, we see the perfect will of God move forward. The advancement of the gospel into Judea, into Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it came when God gave his people a little push out of their comfort zone. He allowed the persecution because it's inevitable. Even Jesus said, y'all going to get persecuted. So it's going to happen. But God was able to turn it into a situation for his glory. Brothers and sisters, what I'm here to tell you today is God is calling us out of our comfort zones. You know, sometimes he leads us through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he might use circumstances to scatter us, like the church in Acts. But we have to know that if it's God calling us out of our comfort zone, if it's God scattering us, it's always because there is a greater place he wants to take us to. It's never for no reason. When we read the first four verses of Acts 8, uh, the word scattered is used twice. It says, they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Now, those who were scattered went about, preach, went about preaching the word. Now, in the Greek word, in the Greek language, there are two words for the word scatter. Okay, the first word there is diaskapizo, okay, and then the second word is diaspiro. Okay, they both mean to scatter abroad. Okay? 
But diaskopizo also means to squander. It's like when you scatter ashes. You don't know where it's going. You just scatter it. They talk about how winnowing, when you separate the, the, the wheat from the chaff, you kind of scatter it so that whatever the, the, the chaff, the, the useless thing, kind of just gets scattered out and kind of is lost. And the, the other word, diaspiro, which is actually what is used here in Acts 8, it means actually to sow, like in, in planting, when you scatter seeds to plant. It means planting and sowing of seeds. When God calls us out of our comfort zone, when he scatters us, it's always for a purpose. It's never to squander. It's never to waste. But instead, he's sowing us so that we, as we obey and we follow his calling, it will in turn bear fruit. The fruit that he wants to bear in us. But so many times when God calls us out of our comfort zone, when he wants to scatter and sow us, we feel like things are going to waste. We see it as a diascopiso, to scatter and to squander. What do you mean, go move to Korea for three years, God? I, mean, I got to go to grad school. I got to become a lawyer. I got to get my job and make my money. What do you mean, go to Bangladesh on missions? That's two weeks. I only get two weeks vacation. I have to use that time to rest. When am I going to rest, God? You know, I heard Bangladesh is really hot. <laughs> Pastor Caleb told me that it is very hot. You know? how, how am I going to waste two weeks of my precious vacation on a mission trip? What do you mean, reach out to my coworkers? Can't you see he's a pagan? <laughs> All he talks about is partying and fornicating. <laughs> and don't you know he's an atheist? He's hopeless. It's a waste of my time. It's our human nature to stick to comfort and safety. To make comfort zones for ourselves. And it's all in our minds. It happens out of familiarity, out of laziness, out of complacency, and also out of fear. But as people of God, we need to know that the safest place to be is in the perfect will of God. And it might not be the most comfortable place, Mm -hmm. but the most exciting, the most amazing, and the most fruitful place that you can be is in the perfect will of God. And when God calls you out of your comfort zone, the best thing you can do is to step out and follow him. I'm not saying that the time that the church had in the beginning to grow and mature was not needed. You need seasons of growth. You need seasons of maturity. Seasons of safety. Okay? There's going to be seasons for God to really pour into you, to heal you, to nurture you, to redeem you, bring you back. Like David in the wilderness as a shepherd, seasons of intimacy, seasons of building of character. These seasons are needed. But when God says it's time, and he says, come follow me out of your comfort zone into my perfect will, what you have to say is yes. Or he might just give you a kick in the butt. For the church in Acts chapters 1 through 7, Jerusalem was their comfort zone. This is where everything started. The grace and the anointing was on them here. Increase in fruitfulness wasn't an issue. Miracles, signs, and wonders were breaking out everywhere. Things were good in Jerusalem. It was a comfort zone. And Samaria, on the other hand, 
was way out of their comfort zone. It was the last place that Jews would want to go into. You guys, you guys know about the long-standing and the deep-rooted kind of the hostility between the Jews and the Sumerians. Okay? Long time ago, Assyrians, this is like, like way back in the, when the northern kingdom, the Assyrians came and took away the northern kingdom into exile. And then, you know, there were some Jews left over in that area. And, you know, all their people are gone. And they start marrying other races, other ethnic groups. And so as, and this is where the Samaritan people came from. And as this, this group started to increase, the Jews saw them as a half-breed. Not just in ethnicity, but also in religion. Because they rejected, they only accepted the first five books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. They rejected everything else. And they also built this temple. Kind of like the, to a rival temple. To Jerusalem. And so it, it actually was this deep-rooted hostility that Jews had. It's kind of like, I don't know if you guys know how Koreans, and, I, I, and it's pretty bad. It's how Koreans look at chosen joke people, which are uh, Korean Chinese people. Chi- they're Korean people that, that just got displaced to China. And it's funny because Korean people, they treat these, these people really bad. You know, there's this underlying deep-rooted kind of like bitterness and hatred towards them. I don't know where it comes from. You know, they're fine with Chinese people, but when it comes to Chinese Korean people, there's this deep-rooted anger. And this is kind of like what was happening in, versus the, Jew, the Jews and the Samaritans. There was, there was a lot of animosity, a lot of hatred. And for, for the Jews, staying in Jerusalem was a comfort zone. And going into Samaria was to go way out of their comfort zone. And maybe that's why they needed it in this initial push to go. But when God scattered them, the first place they went to was Judea and Samaria. And as the church through Philip goes into Samaria, what happens? This great revival breaks out. Brothers and sisters, like the church in Acts, God is calling us out of our comfort zones. And you guys all might have different comfort zones. For some of you, it's a job. Staying in a job when God is, God is calling you to some, something else. For some, it's pursuing relationships. For, for many of you in here, your comfort zone is the church. You're so comfortable being around church people and Christians and fellowship that it's actually uncomfortable for you to make relationships outside the church. You know, Brother Noble had a party. He had a birthday party uh, last week. Uh, on the roof of, his, of uh, Rosie's apartment. And we all were there, and we had uh, burgers and hot dogs and s'mores. It was really good. And I, and I don't know who it was that said it, but because I was really busy making s'mores. I was like, oh, I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this. But from the back of my mind, I heard somebody say, who are these people? Man. And, it was, and they were talking about, like, Nova knows all of these people that don't come to this church. You know, all these guys, you know, from all these different places were there. And they were like, man, who are these people? I don't know these people. Like, like how does he know all these people? All, the only people I know is you guys, you know? I don't know who it was. So I'm not trying to call you out, whoever said that. But, man, it's true. For a lot of times, people in the church, the only people that we know are each other. And, and don't feel, whoever said that, don't feel guilty. I don't know who it was because I was making my s'more. And I don't remember very well. But, man... It, I mean, I mean, it's not just you. It's a lot of the church. It's most of the church. We, we're afraid to come out of our comfort zone. 
For some, it's being under the control of your parents. I've been under this control for years. Man, they give me money. You know, it's just, it's just better to just go with the flow with my parents. And God's calling you to something else. And you're like, you know what, God? I, I gotta, I, man, it's, it, it's more comfortable for me to just say yes to my parents. You know, if, if we would have done that, we would not be married. <laughs> I would not be married. Some of you guys, your comfort zone is being in the fringes of the church. Coming to church, but oh, that's about, that's far, that's far enough. I'm just going to sit through the service, and right when the benediction ends, I'm out. <laughs> Nobody's going to talk with me. and nobody, I don't want to commit to anything. I'm not going to sign up for anything. I was like that. When I first came to Korea, you know, in our hillside campus, we'd have benediction. And, and we used to sing it back then. We'd be like, praise God from the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we'd all hold hands, and we'd go, amen. There was time of just like, I don't know, praying, but everybody was just really silent. And then, and then was, the piano would stop. And right when it stopped, it'd be like, all right, I'm gone. <laughs> and, and nobody's talk with me or anything. I'm like, oh, I'm gone. And I'll go home. And I'll just kick it by myself. And I just, I was on the fringes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to come in. Because on the outside, it was my comfort zone. I have to go to church because my aunt was making me. But, you know, I'm not going to commit to more than, like, right here. This is it. This is my comfort zone. I feel safe here. Right? Nobody talk with me. Don't try to get me to sign up for anything. I don't want membership. No? I'm good right here. And a lot of, for a lot of people, not just in this, church, in this church, but in churches all around, that's people's comfort zone. And they never get past a certain level of intimacy. They never get past a certain level of relationship. Some, for some of you guys, your comfort zone is in your finances. And I can't tithe. That 10%, I need that 10%. But no matter what your comfort zone is, when God calls you out of it and into his perfect will, you have to go. Because it's never to squander your time or efforts, but it's always to sow into your fruitfulness. You know that? He calls you out to sow into you. To sow you. You are the object of his sowing. And I'm going to just kind of uh, go into why God scatters us. Why? Why does he scatter us? Why does he want us out of our comfort zones? The number one reason is to be more effective. For the church, although they were effective in, in Jerusalem, being all together like that, they were not effective in fulfilling the call that Jesus had placed on their lives. You know, there's a lot of churches that are out there that are really good at being a church. Fellowship, amazing. Programs, bringing other believers together, fantastic. <laughs> Even healing and deliverance is there. It's good. But they're so all about each other and the church that they have, have very Im- little influence and relevance with the community outside of the church. God calls us out of our comfort zones that we can be more effective. And reaching the people that we normally wouldn't think of reaching out to. To to be effective in reaching the lost. Sometimes the church needs to be scattered to be more effective. Have you ever seen a bunch of kids playing soccer? Like kids that are like six-year-old, five-year-old. They're all together in this big circle. And in the middle is the ball. And as that ball moves, everybody moves. Oh, it's over there. 
Oh, it's over there. And, and, and the coach is saying, scatter. Go, pass the ball. Go over there. Dude, play some defense. But what they? They're all in this circle, looking at the ball, following the ball. But you know what? That's what churches do sometimes. It's all stuck together. It's looking at the ball. But they, what they need to do is get them to scatter. Sometimes God scatters you personally and sows you somewhere so you can be more effective. Like the Puzan team, does, you guys are coming down. You guys are being scattered. Right now, you guys mentioned it. There's a lot of leaders up in Seoul. And, and for you guys to really shine, for you guys to really take your place, God is saying, you know what? I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to bring you guys over here. So you guys will be more effective. You guys answering your call, God's going to reward you with that. It's going to bring fruitfulness into your lives. Another reason why God likes to pull us out of our comfort zones is to rely on Him and be thankful. You know, when we are in our comfort zones, it's all about us. Because we can basically handle and accomplish everything we need to do in our comfort zone within our own capacity. You know that? My, it's my comfort zone, man. I know how to do this. Man, I don't, I don't need help from anybody. I don't even need help from God. Because in my comfort zone, I know, I know what to do. I know how to do it. I know when it's going to be done. I know where it's going to be done. And, re, and remaining in our comfort zones will breed complacency, apathy, and it will remove our need to rely on God for everything. This makes us ungrateful. We're not thankful because we don't give an opportunity for God to be needed in our lives. There are people that live their whole lives believing in God, but they never experience the power of God because they never follow God into his perfect will where they fully need God. Let me tell you, when you are in God's perfect will for yourself, you always need him (laughs) for everything. You know that? When you're in his perfect will, man, you need him for everything. And, he, and he, so he pulls us out so that we will rely on him. He pulls us out because we will, we will be thankful. We'll be grateful. We will know that he is there. And in doing so, he can use us in the perfect way that he could possibly, that he wants to. He wants to sow us. It's that word, diakonos. No, that's the wrong one. I forgot what it was. It's back here somewhere. It, 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 it's, it's to scatter, to plant, to sow. He wants to sow us. He wants to make us fruitful. But we have to come out of our comfort zones. And the third, he calls, out, he calls us out of our comfort zones. He scatters us so that we could grow. You know, plants are only big as the pots that they're planted in. And just like that, we are only going to grow as big as what our comfort zones can sustain. If you want to grow, you have to step out of your comfort zone and step into the perfect will of God. And as you follow his will, you're going to grow. You're going to mature. He will prepare you for even greater assignments, greater anointing. It's like, like Philip and Acts. We heard about him. We read about him. He started as a deacon. Waiting on tables for the widows. Here you go, ma'am. Have some food. Persecution starts. 
And in this time, it's not just the apostles. The first persecution, they just grabbed like, like Peter and John, kind of beat them up, and then stop preaching this, this, this Jesus. But when this persecution breaks out, it's everybody. Paul's going after, no, Saul's going after everybody. He's dragging women and, women and men out of houses and putting them in prison. So as this, as this persecution happens, and the church is scattered, and Philip gets scattered, where's the first place he goes to? He goes to Samaria. And he starts preaching. He starts, he starts preaching Jesus. And the people respond. They're like, wow. And he's followed by miracle signs and wonders. People are following him. This big revival breaks out. He started this revival. And John and, and Peter get sent down to verify and also so to pray that the Holy Spirit gets released upon him. And as, as this revival is breaking out, as this church is being established, an angel appears to him and tells him, go to this road between Jerusalem and Gaza. This is a desert place, man. This is way out of his comfort zone. Ain't nobody want to go to a desert. Right? If, if, if Las Vegas didn't have AC, you would not go there. You know that? It doesn't matter how much great the gambling is, how great the buffet is. If they didn't have AC, you would not be there. I guarantee you that. It is not a comfortable place. This is the desert. This is, a, this is between Jerusalem and Egypt. People, they have to travel this road, but they don't like to. He said, like, go to this desert place. You know, he had every reason not to go. Man, I started this revival in Samaria. Maybe I should stay. Maybe I should stay and kind of make sure that it all works out. But he didn't allow that comfort zone to slip in. And as the Holy Spirit led him, he runs. It says he ran up to this Ethiopian eunuch. And he, 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 he talks to him. Talks to him, tells him about Jesus. He's like, he's reading Isaiah. He's like, I don't know what this means. He's like, well, let me tell you. And he, and he reveals Jesus to him. And this, this man, he's like, man, there's some water right there. Baptize me now. And he baptizes him. And all of a sudden, he disappears. And then now he's in Azatos. He's like, he's like transported to this other place. And then it, not, not a lot is mentioned about Peter, Philip after that. But, you know, we know that he didn't stop. We know that he didn't sit around waiting around in his comfort zone. Because you know what? At the end of Acts, in Acts 21, he is referred to as Philip the Evangelist. And you know what? He's the only man in the Bible that's actually referred to as an evangelist. You know, Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. But Timothy was never labeled Timothy the Evangelist. The only person in the Bible with that name is Philip the Evangelist. He went on to do greater things. Why? Because he didn't stay in his comfort zone. He was following the perfect will of God for himself. He was following after. The Holy Spirit would lead him. He would go. Go talk to this person. He would talk to that person. Go evangelize to this person. He would evangelize to that person. And it, it talks about later on. He had, he had sons and daughters. He had his life for himself. But he came from following this, the perfect will of God. He came from coming out of his comfort zone. As Philip stepped out of his comfort zone, not just once, not just twice, but probably throughout his life and ministry, God did amazing things through him. And he grew, he matured. And God took him to a place of honor in the word of God. God calls us out of our comfort zone so we can grow. So we can grow in our faith. You guys want your faith to grow? You guys have to step out of your comfort zone. A lot of us, you guys pray, God, increase my faith, increase my faith. 
So all you're doing is the things that you already know how to do. You've got to test your faith. You've got to go after the things of God. You've got to come out of your comfort zone. I'm going to tell you my testimony about my comfort zone. Remember that time I was like, all right, I'm right here. Don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Remember that? I was like that. When I first came to Korea, my, my aunt, she, she is a very devout woman, but devout Christian. She's like, oh, and so she actually like, made me go to church. You know, I was scared of her, so I came to church. My cousin was going to church. He was going to JSCM before when New Philly used to be called JSCM. I had to go. And I would sit through the service. Right when we went in, I would, I would dip out. I'm gone. Nobody can talk with me. Because I had this, this fear and shame and, and just like this, oh, they're going to judge me. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna think I'm a, I'm a criminal. They're going to think I'm this and that. And I was mad dark. I was just playing basketball all the time. So I was dark. And, it, and I was like, I was just ashamed. I would <laughs> peace out. I'm, hey, no, you can't talk with me. I'm going to get my kimbap and go home. And that's what I did for like the first two, three months. I would not stay at church. You didn't see me fellowship. You didn't see me do anything. I would, they were like, we're going to play soccer. That's great. I'm going to go home. Right? And then God started to really start kind of building relationships in my life. Started putting people in my life. And I started staying. I started, started receiving. Started getting into to, to conversations. Sharing about, you know, the, and joined a small group. You know, Monica, back then, Monica, right now she's Monica Sango, but she used to be called Monica Ho. And she was my small group leader, along with my cousin. And, and I shared my testimony about going to prison and all of this stuff. And I felt light. I felt like all free. You know? I felt good. But nobody, beyond that, nobody knows. I was like, oh, man, I could share it to you guys because, you know, you guys are, you guys are, you know, we homies. <laughs> and nobody else in church is going to know. And all of a sudden, God removed every single person in my small group from, my, from our church. They all just took off one day. They all left. They all went back to America. And I was like, oh, man, what's going on? And so for a long time, I was going to church, and I was actually getting kind of involved. Nobody knew my testimony. Nobody knew anything about me. And I was like, That's my comfort zone. God, I don't, don't make me leave this. I feel comfortable now. I feel like I can actually worship you, but I don't want, I don't want to step out of this place. And God starts, he started challenging me. He's like, man, you have to, you have to open up. You have to, you have to let what's in you out so that I can feel things. I can put something inside. And you got to share your testimony. You guys heard this before, but I was like, no. No, God. I don't want to. No. Please. You know, my testimony is I, when I was in America, I did a lot of drugs. I went to prison. You know, I got I, high-speed chase, all that stuff. I'll tell you about it if you guys want to know. But, man, and then I, can't, I got kicked out of America. I can't be in America anymore. Me, the reason Mina can go, I can't. At least for now. And so I was, I was like, no, nobody can know. And God started, started working in my heart. He's like, you, gotta, you have to. If you want more of me, you have to let go. If you want more of me, you have to step out of this, this sphere that you have. So I was like, all right, God, I won't do it. So I, I, I emailed PC, and he's like, I'm going to tell my testimony. And I told my testimony in, in front of the whole, whole, whole church. And all of a sudden, I felt free. I was liberated. I got healing and deliverance right down the spot. And then all of a sudden, people challenged me, join leadership. Go. First, let's go on a mission trip. Like, man, I ain't going to go on no mission trip. Are you crazy? I still smoke cigarettes. And I was like, no. And then they're like, man, you should join this mission trip. I forgot. I think it was Lisa. Like, you should join this mission trip. I was like, all right. 
was like, you know what? I'll go. And I, and, and I like, I, I'm right, right after my mission trip, things just broke off of me. Things just broke. I stopped smoking, stopped drinking. You know, all the, you know, just, just, just start. I just started going after the things of God as I stepped out of my comfort zone. And then, and then it was leadership. Like, oh, you should join leadership. And at first I was like, nah, I'm good in my small group. And then I joined leadership. And then they made me media team leader. And then media team lead, being a media team leader was my comfort zone for a while. Because, you know, I'd sit in the back. And, you know, I have a little bit of authority. But I didn't really, I was, you know, I wasn't in charge of people's lives. I was just in charge of the slide, you know. I, it was like, it's good. It's cool. I, I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to preach. I didn't have to do nothing. I just, as long as the lyrics are good, I'm, I'm cool. You know what I mean? That's, that's how it was with me. I was the media team leader in Hillside for a long time. And then, and then PC said, you know what? I'm going to pull you out of media team. I was like, what? And then I had just led a mission trip. And that was hard in itself. I was like, oh, I got to lead a mission trip. But I, I was stepping out of my comfort zone. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to make you a leadership coach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you in charge of the, the male leaders. And I was like, oh, whoa. It's like, like dealing with people. But do you, do you see what he's been doing throughout these years? As I was stepping out of my comfort zone, he was, what was he doing? He was preparing me for something. He was getting me ready. If I had not come out of my comfort zone, I would not have moved on to the next eight area in my life where he was going to teach me more. He's going to grow me more in certain ways. I became leadership coach with Pastor Anita, and we used to make, you know, do the curriculum and, and handle the, and, and, and as I grew in that, and, and, and PC and the leadership was like, we, we want to make you and Mina, as you guys get married, to be a campus pastor. And I remember when I got that call, at first I was like, oh, Lord, I'm getting married. You know, I, I want to stay in Seoul. You know, and that was my first reaction. I was like, you know, I don't want to move to Busan. I feel comfortable here. I have a good job. They pay me a lot of money to play with these kids. You know, I got a, 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 they love me here. They love me at my old preschool. They're like, oh, Caleb teacher. And they buy me food, all this stuff. They love me. And, and, and you know, I, I had my friends. I had, I had a good apartment. You know, I was going to get married. I was going to have a wife. Let me, have, let me enjoy this season of my life, God. Let me enjoy this season to really be married. You know, call me later on. Give me a call in about a year. You know? But I remember God, he caught, convicted both of us. You guys got to go. You know? Step out of your comfort zone. Go. And as we went, he, he fulfilled every need, every, every, every wish, every promise, everything that we could possibly need as we were down here. He met every single one. Overfilled our cup every step of the way. But you cannot, he's not going to be able to do that. Unless you step out of your comfort zone. Whether it's in the church. Whether it's outside. Whether it's dealing with the community of the lost out there. We have to step out of our comfort zone. Now, Seaside, my desire for our church here is that we will be a church that is always stepping out of our comfort zone. I don't want to rely on methods, on yesterday's anointing. I want, to, I want Seaside to always who have the fresh revelation for us to always in the perfect will of God. But it starts with you as individuals. You know that? As a pastor, my job really is to empower you, equip you, raise you up. For you to do the work of the ministry. 
Paul mentions this in Ephesians 4. And yes, I need to do my part as an individual. But as a pastor, it's not my duty to go out and evangelize everyone. To convert everyone. To bring the lost into this house. The structure that God is showing us in Acts 8. Because remember, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. It's for you all to go out. For you all to be empowered. For you all to step out of your comfort zones. And it's going to happen as you step out. As you take, get in that place of faith. And you step out of your comfort zone. And before I close, I want to give you the best and the only way. It's the only way for you to not remain in your comfort zone. You know what it is? It's the only way. And it's the best way. You know what it is? It's to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, you know what you're in? You're in the perfect will of God. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you know what you're doing? You're not remaining in your comfort zone. Because the Holy Spirit will not let you remain in your comfort zone. You know that? If you're truly following the leading of the Spirit, He's always taking you to something more exciting. He's always taking you to something greater. He's always, his desire is to take you to a higher level. His desire is to take you and, and teach you more, equip you with more, empower you with more. The best way, the only way for you to remain out of your comfort zone is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want everybody, I want us to go in a time of prayer. You guys can close your eyes. And I want to give you guys a chance to respond to this message. There are some of you guys right now, there are some of you guys right now that are, you guys are in your comfort zone. Whether it's at your work, whether it's in your relationship, whether, no matter what it is, you guys are in your comfort zone. And God is leading you. He's, he's knocking at your door. He's saying, take a step of faith. Step out of your comfort zone. Go and, and come and follow me. He's saying, come and follow me into my perfect will. Because in my perfect will, there's fullness of grace. There's power. There's revelation. There's truth. There's growth. You're not going to be able to fulfill the callings that God has for you if you remain in your comfort zone. The Holy Spirit, right now, for some of you guys, He's convicting you. He's knocking at your heart. He's saying, you know what? Just take a, take a step of faith and just follow me. Follow me. I will not squander you. I am the Lord your God. I will not squander you. As I scatter you, it will not go to waste. But as I scatter you, I will sow you into your perfect destiny. Take a step of faith in me. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling you guys right now. And right now, I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond. If there's anybody in here 
and you guys feel like you've been sitting in your comfort zone for too long, 